The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Talking Back Words. Thank you. I'm Dave Jackson, and I'm joined by Patrick Mahan. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. Hello. Guys? Yes? I'm jammed up. Oh, as am I. And honestly, I'm hot. I'm hot about it. I was watching Parks and Rec earlier. You're only allowed to watch Twin Peaks. Leslie was wearing a shirt that says, my mouth got jammed. <laughs> I remember that one. No, I'm jammed up. I'm having some technical difficulties at at my place with my recording setup, and uh, Tyler has been gracious enough to allow me into his home. Well, it's really kind of and, you, uh, Tyler. Uh, yeah. And record alongside him. You know, good thing you guys live so close. I'm still calling in for this one, but I thought about it for a second. I was like, should I go up we, there as well? <laughs> I I think you should. I think it was worth. Would be worth the hour and a half, yeah. two hour drive. Yeah, I could have taken a nap. You could have waited True. it out. True. Well, here we are, and we we have much, much to discuss with the fourth episode of season two of Twin Peaks, 12th episode overall. How about that, Tyler? <laughs> Sorry. 11. Oh, no, I'm reading, Stop I'm reading, it's 12 counting the uh, pilot. Episode mm. 15 <laughs> of the podcast, and episode 30 of. Yeah. Probably something I'm but sure. This is the episode Laura's Secret Dairy. This is one of the few episodes that has a ton of writers. There are four writers on this episode, which might explain some of the sloppiness and not sloppiness, but just it's definitely a different episode. I feel like there's a there's a good amount of filler. I feel like the two episodes that, that surround it are much better than than this one. Um, but apparently one of the writers, it was supposed to just be written by Jerry Stahl, who apparently was on a lot of drugs at the time, which is why they brought in, <laughs> brought in <laughs> Mark <Adam> Frost, <laughs> Harley Payton, and Robert Ingalls, um, who have all had big, yeah, all three of those guys have had big hands, like, in the Twin Peaks world as far as writing goes, so, like, those are the three you want, but I guess they couldn't even save, <laughs> in my opinion, uh... What Jerry Stahl started. Uh, I didn't know much about this guy, but apparently Ben Stiller played him in a movie about his drug addiction, so I don't know. What? Yeah. <laughs> the movie is... Uh, Does Is there a part of the movie where Ben Stiller is writing an episode of... Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks. It's very possible. But, <laughs> Specifically uh, this one? I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I think it's Permanent Midnight is the... Is the uh, movie... Never heard Could of it. Wrong. Band name called it. <laughs> Permanent Pretty Midnight. Good. Pretty good. Um, which is uh, an autobiography of Jerry Stahl. The quotes I could find, uh, which I feel like it's interesting parallel to this, is that he was on heroin while writing the script. Um, mm-hmm. Going as far mm-hmm. as to um, shoot up in the bathroom during meetings is what I've what I've got here. Um, All right. Yeah, so... Uh, At least he was waiting yeah to do it at the right time yeah um but yeah uh this has the most uh writing credits i think more than any other episode in the series so that that would explain why every arc feels like a piece of a completely different episode right um but this is also the first episode um directed by todd holland who's kind of a critically acclaimed just tv director he directed a bunch of uh a bunch of shows um most notably like Larry Sanders show and Malcolm in the middle. So this guy's been around a while and 
uh, has done a bunch of stuff. So I, th- I think the directing is good because there's definitely some things that I can see where it feels very peaksy, twin peaksy. That's what I call it. Uh, I like that. Yeah, peaksy. Peaksy. Um, and and cool. as very much as with this very opening shot, uh, Dave. Yeah. It's, so it's a. You're not really sure what you're looking at at first. No. No, no idea. I, I thought it was like an ear canal or some crater on some <laughs> asteroid. Yeah, on Mars. That I was flying the Millennium Falcon into. Right. It's one of those, if you had pulled out and found that you were looking at an asteroid, it would be on brand. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Instead, it's like this creepy-ass intro. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you're, it takes well, Yeah, because you're it also does. hearing... It's on another uncomfortable yeah. like, thing. Like right at the peak of being uncomfortable where you want it to stop, it finally stops. But it's this really strange backwards traversal through a hole that looks like just a tunnel of wool. If you're like Tyler, you haven't been binging this, this, so you're just picking up and you're like, Oh, yep. Okay. I'm back in twin peaks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Right back in it. And you're hearing screams as this is happening. Some faint, like yeah. screams. So I, I kept hearing the word daddy. Yeah. And that's, so yeah. I first thought that was Waldo, but it's, <laughs> that's actually, <laughs> But it makes sense, though, because um, yeah. Cheryl Lee did the voice of Waldo, and it's actually her saying daddy. It's because she plays right. Laura. So, yeah. But I did have that thought. I was like, is that Waldo? <laughs> couldn't be. No. No, it couldn't be, because he's dead. Oh. What? But so, is, but so is Laura, so I guess that doesn't really <laughs> add up. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Laura's dead? Sorry. Spoiler. Hold on. What? Sorry. I don't get it. We finally get to the end of this tunnel and we find that this is just some ceiling tile. Yeah. And the voices we're hearing are I guess they're in Leland's head. Yes. Because he's getting he's he's uh Harry's trying to get his attention. Yeah, that's how I take it. And, is he's completely zoned out and mm-hmm. finally gets literally snapped snapped out of the trance that he's in. Basically just being interrogated again about uh they are pretty sure he killed Jacques. Renault? Jock Renault. Bite the bullet, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> the man who killed my daughter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He. Oh, he thought man. that that was the guy that why did, did it. Why did you think he killed your daughter? Because you arrested him. Yeah. Bingo. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty on the nose. Yeah. Um. Cooper obviously is not. Uh. Not having it that. You know. He admits to. Killing Jacques. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't decipher what his, like, what's what he's experiencing. I think it's just, uh, you know, murder is murder. It doesn't matter what if you, you know, because Harry is clearly like, a, you know, I can't fathom it. I've known this guy my whole life. Um, you know, wanting to side with him, even though it's a despicable act, and you know, even though he thought he killed his daughter, you know, I could keep going on and on and on. Whereas Cooper is just no. Well, murder is murder. Hayward there, where he sympathizes with Leland on the level of no one should have to bury their child. Like Hayward's a father, neither Harry or Cooper fathers. They don't understand what that would feel like. Right. So he's, he's kind of bringing them into that thought process is like, you don't know what sort of mental toll that could take. Like you, you just can't imagine. Right. So yeah, while, while murder is murder and it's despicable, like there, there are shades of gray as far as like how bad do you feel? Yeah. At least 50. Right. Well, Andy's got other issues on his mind. <laughs> Sperms. <laughs> and and the counts thereof. <laughs> so the, the test apparently is one you can just take again. And just anywhere. I was wondering if it was a kind of test you can take again. Like a driver's, <laughs> driver's exam. <laughs> but then he says that I've been wearing boxer shorts every day, just like you told me. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was like talking to his dad like, 20 years later after he taught him how to throw a football or something. <laughs> like, aren't you I proud got of me to where yet? I am today because I've been wearing these boxer shorts. I did everything you said, dad, give me a chance. <laughs> so yeah, Doc my auto, just that's like, my autobiography has, has a sperms vial in his, mm-hmm. in his bag and hands it over to him. It Andy. may have just been a vial. It didn't necessarily have to <laughs> yeah, be. No, specifically. It's, it's just funny <laughs> that he's like, well, here you go. I'll wait in the car. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a brown bag. Go ahead and pop one off. I'll be ready for you. Oh, man. 
I wonder which issue we went with. Is this considered tampering with evidence? No, because they brought in a bunch of. Oh yeah, they had like a bunch yeah. of back issues. So unless it was like one of the one two they found. Yeah. Then I think he's okay. But it was probably one of the ones they found. <laughs> I don't want to go through all these boxes. I just want to get one. This one's right here. <laughs> it's even got a label on it. A for Andy. And then uh, while Andy's <laughs> trying to sneak around, he bumps into Lucy. <laughs> it's the last person he wants to run into mm-hmm. while he's in this situation. And of course, what is she carrying? I think it's a box of pretzels or something. Is it? It looks like she's trying to re- just trying to restock some pretzels. Yeah. yeah, so obviously he drops his magazine, which is at the bottom of this pile somehow, magically. Um, TV magic. She, see- she sees it. They lock eyes. Uh, she's not happy. She's no. She's actually... Disgusted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like super grossed out and judgmental. Yeah. Like, looks at the magazine, looks at the bathroom, and is like, well, clearly you're doing this on the clock. And you could have yeah. no other reason for doing this. Doesn't question it at all. No. Just shoves it back in his hand. Like, all right. Yeah. Done. Uh-huh. Done. He's like, it's like I have to go. Doc Hayward's waiting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> he left the engine Gotta running. Gas is expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's like fifty cents. <laughs> it's a large small town. It's probably it's, like a yeah. dollar or something. Harry and Cooper chatting about uh, what's coming up. They're going to be. Uh, having a hearing for Leland. We've got yeah, a... They'll be, they'll be joined judge by and, Judge Clinton Sternwood. Mm-hmm. Got a judge and a prosecutor on the way. Mr. Yep, Lockwood. by the name of Daryl Lodwick. Lodwick. I, I always want to say Lockwood. <laughs> Why? I, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say Logwood. Ooh. This is when we get the information from Hawk about the Robertson house, which mm-hmm. isn't the Robertson house. <laughs> Never was a Robertson house. <laughs> Kalispell. Kalispell is the name on the house right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Interesting. See, uh, Harry also mentions the Kalispell woods when uh, when Hawk shows up later. Is he just... Yes, he does. Is he just referencing the name he got from him and trying to joke with him, or is that the name of the woods? Uh, I like that. I like that he was just make trying to make a joke, like, "Oh, you got lost in the Cowspell Woods." <laughs> what? Even though he doesn't say it like that, I missed this. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, when later Hawk, in the episode, or in, maybe it could when when Hawk blasts some, in. Honestly, yeah, he's, he comes in he hot. Says, actually, maybe the very first scene of the next episode when he comes in, he's just like, "Oh, where you been, Hawk? You been <laughs> lost in the Cowspell Woods?" Because I saw that on the subtitles, and I was like, "Cowspell? Where have I heard that?" Oh, okay. Precisely. This is why I've heard that. All right. We got to talk got about it. Andy's boots. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, Tyler, take it. Well, Andy drops his sperms and. No, I want to hear about the boots. <laughs> well, while the he's down on the, the ground. The to the boots. Yes. While, while he's on the ground finding his sperms, Coop tells him to stop and asks him where he got those. And Andy says, please don't make me tell you where these came from. It's <laughs> a very personal <laughs> business, please. Now we're just looking at the boots. It's the same boots that uh, they found at Leo Johnson's. Yeah, Circle brand. Yeah, his his new shoes, new boots. Yep. So glad he got them. Because Leo needed a new pair of shoes. And he got them from... Dun, dun, dun. Mr. Gerard. Philip Gerard. Mr. Three-Arm Tumble. So there's your connection. Giant said there was a clue with Leo, and that was the boots, we think. Me thinks. Yeah. Nailed there it. we go. All right, this uh, this next scene in the Great Northern is interesting. So it's ridiculous. Employee of the month here. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Who later we find out <laughs> the name is Louie. Louie. <laughs> yeah, this, this very excitable young lady at the Great Northern who is looking to make a big impression on Ben Horn by letting him know that M.T. Wentz is on his way into town. This is a world-renowned food critic. Nobody knows what he looks like or she. Yeah. Always pays in cash. Yeah. She's got the hot lead and she wants everyone to know that it's hot. Mm-hmm. Yes. My favorite is when this is later, but I have to say it now. <laughs> At the yeah. R and R Diner <laughs> that Hank's like, empty who? <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's so fun. Yeah, empty wins is a mystery. Yes. A new mystery. 
especially if he pays in cash. But it seems pointless. It does give Hank something to do because he gets to fill his day with trying to find some tablecloths and candles. Yeah, he's got a right. Got the big transformation. We're gonna class up the joint because Ben's still not up to date on the whereabouts of Audrey. But uh, as he walks into his office after learning about M.T. Wentz, he finds Jean Renault sitting there in wait. I can only imagine how long he's been there. Like two hours, probably. <laughs> Minimum two yeah. hours of sitting in silence. Yep. Ben pegs this guy, thinks he's just uh, an insurance salesman, that he's there to talk about a change in his rates. But no, he's actually there to talk about the binding and torture of his daughter. Yes. Which he has on video. Yes. Plays that. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Yes. I don't like seeing Dear Sweet Audrey this way. Uh, me neither. She gets what she wants. That and, got and she me did not jammed want up. This. Are you jammed up? I was I was jammed up when I, yeah. I can't even talk right now. <laughs> you, your face is turning <laughs> completely red. You're sweating bullets. <laughs> What's the amount of money? What, what, what price are they put? $125,000. That's it. Yeah. For a man like Ben Horn, but to get a daughter like it Audrey was like back. 1989 and inflation over 30 years, it's like seven million dollars. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I don't know enough about it to contest it. I know that it's wrong, but it doesn't. I don't it care. doesn't sound right. But I'm not going to look it up. Sure. Jean Renault wants Cooper to deliver uh, the money. Which Ben's not too keen on it first. Cause... Why didn't you go through normal channels? Yeah, come on, Coop. Oh, my gosh. There's no reason to circumvent proper channels. Proper channels, yes. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Now is when Hank decides he's going to class the joint up, and but not before he weirdly kind of hits on Donna. Yeah, that was weird. She's there to pick up a tray for Meals on Wheels. Yeah. He's like, you got a hot date? He's like, yeah, I got on my route. He's like, you, you, you serve invalids. Which the soup of the day... Is rabbit chili. Rabbit chili. Oh. Rabbit chili. Tasty. Yeah. You get Hank in the kitchen and we start spicing things up. It's probably the rabbit he ran over that morning. <laughs> On. Well, it's been very veggie for eight months, so we'll, <laughs> we'll take a little roadkill chili. Perfect. You mean eight days. Or because, is it eight months? Because time in Twin Peaks. <gasps> what? <Right. laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> That's a whole nother tangent we don't need to get on right now. <laughs> anyway, so MT Who is uh, coming yeah. after they talk about MT When's coming and Hank wants to, he just steals money out of the register. Um, oh, yeah, he just starts grabbing 20s. Yeah. And Norma's like, we can add some, what can we add to the menu? Some specials, maybe. I've always what? wanted to try some regional dishes. Yeah. Wh- which region? Seattle? And, come on. Like some specials. I need to know what these specials are. Well, there's cherry pie. So then Hank leaves. We'll leave it there. We'll yeah. leave it there. Yeah. Well, on his way out the door, he, he says, hey, yeah, uh, make sure you call Big Ed. You two are like, still friendly, right? Yeah. It's like, ooh. Yeah, he knows. Ooh, he's, he's twisting that knife. He knows. He knows Fred's a prince. All right. I need somebody else to talk about Harold first because I'm, I'm not ready. So Donna is having wine with Martin Short. Which I then realized that he is always drinking wine. Yeah, it's always there's always a glass in his hand. He's always drinking wine. There's always he's a classy guy. I've always uh, thought of Harold Smith as pure class. I know that's a lie, but I'm gonna move on. The Harold Smith. Why? I mean, he, washes, he drinks wine. He washes his hands. He's got some nice orchids. <laughs> What's not to like about this guy? The orchids are cursed. A bunch of stuff. That's all I have to say about that. Really. Um, it's just he's always drinking. He's always drinking wine. Um, is this where they he reads from Laura's diary? Yeah. Or does anything happen before that? In a well, no. They they decide to toast to Laura, and then he deems it appropriate to read from her diary. Opens immediately to an entry about Donna, and then makes it weird. Yeah. It, it was yeah, she weird, made it really he, weird. He yeah. makes it weird. Also, nothing organic about this interaction. No. Nothing flows. The way people talk. Is this where he's reading, talking about Laura's insides? Yeah. 
about her her ugly insides and her they're, they're her fantasies about big big men black and dark and soaked with dreams of big big men and different ways that they might hold me and take me into their control yeah. yep that's the that one that line yeah <laughs> that's the one is that the or something like that yeah. is that the line that that <laughs> not that we not that we took a note is that the line that triggers donna to suggest that they hand it over to give it yeah, to the police to, the yeah. sheriff and don't you Cooper. think that's evidence or something like that? He's just like, oh, this this does like, nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. no I've read me. this whole thing. <laughs> There's no me. solutions here. I don't trust him <laughs> at all. Well, no. Uh, you want to share your secrets with him? No, I don't want to be a part of his living novel. Weirdly, so okay, so I I recently bought a notebook just to write things in, just whatever that that may be, just because a lot of my need a notebook. You bought a diary? No. It's a journal, uh-huh. and, but no. <laughs> He's uh, a boy. It's a journal. No, I just, I got a college old notebook because I was like, sometimes I'm going to need to take notes down about stuff. So I'm just going to have one, a, a fresh one, because I like to I like to have new things. It feels good. The one that I got is the exact one that he starts Donna's like testimony in, in the scene. And now I want to burn it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, this... We will have a seance. <laughs> <laughs> And burn this a pagan cleansing ritual <laughs> yes. to rid the evil. Of Join us, won't you, yes. on the next episode of Talking Backwards? <laughs> a special bonus episode where we burn this book alive as it screams. The secret diary of Dan oh, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Um. Oh. So I'm sorry, Emma. This, this is where he's talking about the, his whole sort of living novels, taking people's stories. Um, and I love the way he says, he says, friends, lovers, maybe someday you. <laughs> Talking to Donna, I was like, yeah, that's... You, you don't qualify for either one of those that's, things. That's not... I think he's just waiting to see where she falls. Back to the Great Northern. Ben Horn and Cooper. Yes. This is where he's asking, telling him mm-hmm. about... Shows him the video. Like you, you and Audrey have a special, special relationship. relationship. Like, almost accusatory. It's like, he, he pretty much gets Cooper to agree to making the drop. But there is, I did notice a very well, well-placed thunder sound effect when he asked him to deliver the ransom. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And this thunder will persist for yes. the next several scenes. And That's I, very true. It really changes the tone of the rest of the episode. Uh, yeah. Specifically... Uh, well, it's not super present in, the, in this next spot where Josie comes back and sees Pete again. She mm-hmm. acts all aloof like she had no idea what's going on. A terrible liar. Just the worst. <laughs> but but Pete, sweet Pete, is a gullible fool. He is. Can't even handle it. Yep. He's like, Josie, Catherine died in the fire. I don't know what will bury. Yeah, man. So... That that's really all there is to that scene is is Pete's distraught about Catherine. I also thought it was weird. Gone. The scene just kind of like ended. Yes, I feel like he was about to say something. That's that's what I was gonna, that's like, what, yeah, that's what I was about to say. So the transition's super weird, right? Because he says, "I don't know what we'll bury," and as he's saying that, it fades to these trees in the wind. Yeah, but just the tops. Like it doesn't set mm-hmm. up the next location. It's just yeah, a shot of trees in the wind. All they are is trees in the wind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it may be that. It may just be them saying, like, hey, there's still some woods. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget. So, yeah, so Josie's, Josie's uh, grand return wasn't really so no, grand. She could have stayed gone and would have been all right. Yeah, I honestly forgot about her. Well, let's move on and talk about one of uh, Tyler's favorite characters. Scumbag Battis. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Badass Emery Badass, yes. <laughs> who's yes. now scumbag, scumbag Badass, um, is dragging uh, our dear Audrey in front of Mr. Renault. Gene <clears throat> Renault. Gene Renault. <laughs> yep, Gene Renault. Yeah, and Audrey's oh, in this. Oh man, stupor. makes me makes me wish there was some Andy Gene interactions. Yeah, Audrey gets wheeled in, and she's in this uh, drugged-up stupor, like, just kind of wobbly and not really, seems like she's really aware of where she is. Yeah. But, Which, uh, I mean, she's been in that state for 
this whole season so I'm, far, I'm right? It, yeah. Yeah. That sort of made me question if Battis had like done something with her or to her. Mm. He know. didn't. She's pure. Okay. Um, okay. But he definitely or, hit her. He hit her. Yes. And, and but uh, she yeah. was lucid enough to get that out. Mm-hmm. Which I, you know, that's well, some real, things real brave of her. Some things stick with you. Hasn't happened to me much, but I can tell you the two you or three times I have been hit. Remember vividly. Yeah, Jean. Jean I, mean, I could also say, even with his reaction being sort of silly, that you know, Audrey, I could see her just saying that. I mean, I don't want to suggest that, but well, that would be a good read. play too. It's it's true, but I right exactly. It'd be a good play. Her state though would she wouldn't be thinking yeah. like that. Yeah, she's, yeah I she's I, that's what I thought as well. That's why that's why I'm sort of just sort of confused by all of this altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to make yeah, of I'm it. I'm not sure why she got brought in except for just to be like, hey, she's still captive. Like, here she is. Yeah, she's still here. And yeah, I think he expects the conversation to go a different direction when he says, are you being treated well? And she's actually like, actually, yeah. no, he, he hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, well, that won't happen again. So, and why won't it happen again? Because a uh, dead ass Emery badass is dead. Man, let's have a moment for the artist formerly known as Badass Emery Badass. Maybe more than he deserved. Yeah, I would say so. Maybe let's try Maybe. it again. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> he he starts talking about responsible people and being reasonable, or reasonable people and being reasonable. Like, and sometimes when you're in a situation, you know, we did like his his statements are not making any sense, and that yeah. that might actually be why John shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> Which, what's with the silenced pistol sound? I feel like, based on everything I know about guns from uh, Goldeneye and World Is Not Enough, <laughs> specifically those games, that gun did not have a silencer <laughs> suppressor on it. Did it, not, it looked like it did to me. I don't think it did. It seemed too small. Like it was, Listeners, why I don't, don't you uh, weigh in and let us know what you think about Gene Renault's gun? I need screenshots, close-ups, multiple angles. Enhance. Yeah. Diagrams. He did. Yep, shoots him. Shoots him dead. And I'm okay with it. He sucks. Yeah, Audrey didn't love it. Well, yeah, I mean, if somebody gets shot no. in front of you, well, I yeah. I mean, probably like it either. Probably, probably terrified. Yeah, and it's definitely her fault. Yeah, she did that. Yeah. I think that's more what it is. Like, less she's afraid of Jean Renault, which is possible, but more like she did that. Yeah. Like, she has never actively like, endangered somebody. Like, she's she's threatened. Just herself. And, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't expect to die, I would assume, except now, yeah. maybe. Because she's Audrey Horn and she gets yes, what she indeed. wants. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, Andy's going to try to make another go at some Lucy interaction. And that doesn't go great. No. She's pretty sure he prefers the company of his magazines. He might. He's just trying to find out what's going on, and she's not receptive. She just at this point, I still don't know what's got Lucy's goat so hard. Do you know why? Why is she being this way? With oh, with Andy. With Andy, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know what's up, gotcha. obviously. But I don't know why she's doing this to Andy, right? So so directly and so so coldly. Well, I mean, if I had to guess, which I did before she mentioned it, mm-hmm. I would. I was thinking this is typical behavior of someone who finds out that the person they care about does not have a sport coat. Yeah, and my mind went there too. I I thought maybe it's because he didn't wash his car. I, I wanted to, I wanted I, I, that to be it. Now I hadn't seen the car, right? But I felt like it probably was an unwashed one. I can, I could see that. He and, should he should give it a bath. But I, I I didn't have any other bullet points about what it could possibly be. Patrick, did you? No. <laughs> no. Not <dumb. laughs> Not dumb. So Coop steps in. He doesn't even exercise. Yeah. But I really like. Um, Kimmy Robertson's acting in this scene, um, especially when she like says, I don't know, and rushes off. I like when, after she explains it, 
Coop's like, are you still seeing this uh, dick? dick? <laughs> it's so good, <laughs> dude. That was that's act that was actually so close to being that was so shot. close to being my line <laughs> of the night. The more I thought about it, um, <laughs> it's so good. I mean, yeah. Well, after she storms off, yeah, Lucy runs off. Harry shows up, and Coop explains that he was trying to help her, and that Harry's been down the that road before. Yeah, yeah, this is this is not the first time this has happened. No. But uh Coop does need a bookhouse mm. boy for a secret agent super secret project. Yeah. He wants one of the best. And he guess what? He wants him to meet him at the roadhouse at nine thirty. Man. Is is there just nowhere else to go? No. Nowhere else in Twin Peaks is, is open that late. Why does it have to be nine thirty every day? <laughs> That's just an easy Isn't time. It? It's Am I always, just picking up on this? It's always 9.30 at the Roadhouse. Every time. I don't know. I don't know I what it is. That's freaky. <laughs> I didn't know that. What does that mean? Does it mean anything? I just don't think there's any other time or place to be <laughs> somewhere. I think it's actually very, I think it's very important to pay attention to numbers in Twin Peaks. To time in Twin and Peaks? And time, yes. 100%. Fine. So he doesn't tell Harry why he needs a bookhouse boy. He just says he needs one of his best and to meet him. And that's kind of that. Uh, We got a new face in the double R. Yep. Is it M.T. Wentz? M.T. who? The double R, by the way. Unrecognizable. Oh, my gosh. Is this an Italian bistro? The bistro double R. I went went with French. Oh, French? I I thought about doing a French accent there, and I just decided... Topped out. Well, I, I when I was writing my notes, I Google translated double R bistro into French, and it was bistro double R. <laughs> Why so, did you do that? Because I was, <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> I haven't worked much this week. <laughs> oh man, I wonder if Empty uh, Wentz is the uh, father of. Pete Wentz from the Fallout Boys. Yeah, no, right. I know. Yeah, I was not acknowledging that. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, doing my best to avoid it. Um, Empty Wentz walks in, and Hank is it Hank or Norma that goes up to him? I believe Hank. it's Hank first. Norma does as well. No, no, it is Norma. No, no, Nor- Norma. yeah. Norma grabs him, puts him at a booth, mm-hmm. and then she's talking about these. Specials. These lovely specials. We have we have some specials. Delicious. Hank's specials. putting Toad in the back. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hank uh, does what he does best when Empty Wentz goes to the bathroom and he uh, takes his wallet, thieves him, stole oh, his wallet. No, he he gets up and asks asks for the bathroom, and Hank's like, "Oh yeah, right over here, sir. We just finished painting it, and uh, it's super it, private. It looks really nice." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Super private. You're gonna love it. Yeah, I thought he was just gonna take all his money and then put it back. But I thought he was just gonna check it to see who, what his name was and then put it back. Well, he does. Does he right. also take some money? I mean, he took the whole wallet. Yeah. Anyway, this is Lockwood. <laughs> Logwood. <laughs> Daryl Logwood. Daryl The this is the prosecutor that's uh, trying to keep Leo Johnson on trial. Yeah. The soup of the day sign here says, "Ask us about our specials." <laughs> what are the damn specials? Daryl hasn't asked yet. <clears throat> I want to know what they are. So this isn't the only thing happening at the Double R Diner. Maddie is talking with Donna after uh, Donna caught them uh, smooching it up. Little, little smooch. Little smooch. And what? What did? Tell me. Tell me again. What did James say? After he ran into the street after that moment. Why? <laughs> That's right. Why? Just need to refresh my memory. Why? <laughs> I thought he said he was trembling. <laughs> That's Donna. Yeah, Donna's <laughs> always trembling. Donna! James, I'm trembling. <laughs> oh, the soundboard is amazing. It's unbelievable, really. Uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, Donna's trying to be too cool. Uh, we said we were exclusive. I never did. <laughs> She's, Come on, Donna. I didn't need to that. 
Maddie leans into that real hard. It's like, are you seeing someone else? Yeah. And I was like, Mike. Maybe. No, she's seeing Mike. <laughs> what? Her first boyfriend. Mike? Mike is somewhere looking for her, yelling her name. Donna! Just walking down the street, door knocking. I forgot about Mike. Yeah. Where is Mike? It's one of the great oh. mysteries of this show, Tyler. Donna tells Maddie about Laura's secret diary, the second Laura's mm -hmm. secret diary, version 2.0. Um, and she needs help to steal it. Yeah, so uh, this, okay. is, this is the Harry Josie scene. Mm -hmm. <sighs> this is the Harry Josie scene. I've not much to say about this one because it's awful. Oh, Harry. How many times she says that? Tear it. I need you more than I need my own life. All right, well, let's you breeze know. through it. Uh, Josie showing mm. off a dress to Truman. He likes that, but yeah, he needs he needs to know if she really uh, was gone to Seattle. Um, she says yes. The only reason that, that business is st still in business is because she buys retail. Yep. Um, Where have you been? Where do you think these boxes came from, Sailor? Want to rip my dress? And that, Harry's just like, you're right. That whole thing about Harry asks if she was really in Seattle, and she says she must have been. Look at all these boxes. <laughs> oh, okay. He's, he pretty much got it all figured out, but then uh, sex. The weirdest part about this is this uh, secret Asian man that we've been seeing. Uh, just standing behind Asian. these slats. Yeah, around the we've seen him uh, snooping around the Great Northern. Just happens to be uh, watching them through the window just, <laughs> casually. You know. Cranking it outside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what. One of the, just one of the scariest moments of the show. Go at it. Yeah, just standing in the rain. Yeah, at least get a freaking umbrella. Watching through the... There's no way he even has a good angle to watch these goings on through these blinds. No, because those, those blinds are tilted up. Yeah, those are wood slats. Yeah. They are thick. No, he's... he's You're not going to get a good angle on it like that, my guy. He's... Yeah. You're going to want a high vantage point. That's right. You're going to want to plan ahead. It's true. I like to think he's just staring at the table in front of the couch. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> what magazine is that? You got plans for that table. Judge Sternwood shows up to the sheriff's station. Sure does. Let's talk about Judge Sternwood. Immediate mixed feelings. Mixed feelings? Immediate mixed feelings. Just by one, one line that he later redeemed himself, and I would no longer thought that. Mm -hmm. But I still, maybe it could be a thing. So this is where Sternwood asks Coop how he likes Twin Peaks. Yes. Heaven, well, sir. Yeah. I thought it was a very interesting line. It's a great line. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good line. And then Dick shows Dick up. Dick shows up. Yeah. Dick Tremaine. Lightning crash. <laughs> There's Dick Tremaine. Um, yeah, he says, uh, Lucy, I've been miserable. I want to do what's best for you. Here's here's $650 for an abortion. Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. He called around, and it's more than adequate. adequate. Yeah. Here's. He's completely knackered. So he sucks. Yeah, Lucy says, uh, screw you in the nicest way. This is also, I mean, Lucy, to me... Uh, or ex excuse me, uh, Kimmy Robertson kills it in this episode. Because um, this is another just amazing moment with this character. I love the way she tells Dick off. Yeah, yeah. again, the step-by-step -step instructions on how to do everything comes out again. And, it's so great. But with, like, high emotion. Like, this actually plays really, really well. I thought she actually went through a pretty good range of feelings delivering these instructions sending him out of there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. It was like, he, she really shut him down. Put this back yeah, in your wallet amazing. or pocket. Go out both sets of doors. The, the second, second one sticks, sticks sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. This is where Andy brings Leland in to talk with judge Sternwood. Yeah. This is kind of the pre hearing hearing. And I think this is just like a formality because they know each other. Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise, if this was just some Renault guy or whatever. Yeah, they know each other because Leland's a lawyer. Yeah, and they, and work, work, together. they work together. Yeah, that makes his whole 
making a speech about Viking lore and raising a glass in Valhalla a little more meaningful because like as if he understands what he's talking about. Yeah. Because his response is just were that it were so. Would that it were so easy, so simple. Anybody (laughs) watch Hail Caesar? Yes, but it's been a minute. It doesn't matter. I loved it. I just I just want to talk about Sid to be honest. Yeah. So Sid shows up and Harry is kind of wah, excited. Wah, Hachi machi. That's a good looking lady. That's what, yeah, that's what he, you can see that in his eyes. So I, do they have some kind of past? Is That's kind of what I was. Well, I don't getting. know. Like he's, well, yeah, he, he stands up and says, well, so hey, like, Sid. like, well, hey there, Sid. Yeah. yeah. Like he knows who she is already. Yeah. And she's well, receptive. She's not like, don't call me by my first name. You cad. <laughs> I think we put the cigarette out on. Her. I think we skipped over earlier when she first showed up, and or no, is it is it this scene? Yeah, this is when she first yeah. shows up. Yeah. And because uh, Harry has to tell Coop who she is. And, yeah, yeah. Is that wife, law clerk, and oh man. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. So there's some dynamic there where they've I think they've been together in the past. Or yeah. he always longed for her or something like that. But she was just always on the road. There's pining in Clark his eyes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pining. Pining. Douglas Furring. Yeah. That's dirty. So Coop asks uh, about if Truman's got a bookhouse boy set up to meet at 930 at the roadhouse. He'll be there. And Truman says, yes, sir. He'll. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Sid and the judge are going to go uh, hook up the Winnie and, <laughs> and dine in the timber room. <laughs> Back to the Great Northern. Yeah, back at the Great Northern. We get to see some uh, contestants for the Tri-County Lumber Queen finals. Tri-County Lumber Queen. <laughs> it's just a line of ladies in one-piece swimsuits just strutting through the Great Northern. A couple of them catch Ben's eye, so he decides to take pause and talk to them a little bit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> shortly after, uh, one last lady is trying to catch up. Just, <laughs> just thought that was a cool little detail. Just She missed her cue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. But uh, now spots a uh, Tojimura from across the way. Yes, yeah, Mr. Tojimura. It's a, uh, yeah, mysterious man. Tyler, what do you think of Mr. Tojimura? Um, I think think he's a she. <laughs> <laughs> um, paid with cash. Yeah. Maybe this is empty who. Empty who in disguise. Yes. Mm. Trying to slip by. Oh, yeah. I like that theory. Cash. 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 That's really good. Impression. Very, very much like somebody that's very much into Japanese culture that is not Japanese. So pays with cash. Mm-hmm. Louis like, oh, cash. Yes. Well, then you should eat at the double R. Ask for Norma. With all the subtlety of a thrown brick. The eagle has landed. That is that. Yep, so secret Asian man, old, old Looky Lou here, uh, gets introduced to Pete by Josie as her cousin. Jonathan. I hope's not true. Hopefully not. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is my cousin. He was just standing outside in the rain watching me. Watching me bone. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you, I tell you, I'm not buying it. Yeah, especially, a, especially after Pete leaves because he's very much just somebody that she's doing business with. Yeah. Right. But then Jonathan says something after Pete leaves the room, something about Mr. Eckert. Yes. Do I know who that is? No. Okay. I didn't think so. That's just another name because we're about to, going forward, we're about to go into another huge character dump. Very, very pilot of season one. There's like 50 characters. You're just going to get names on names and you're not going to get faces right away. Just You may never get faces. Gosh. Just buckle in. I don't have time for this. Just Buckle in for that energy, buddy. Uh, so Josie tells Jonathan that Hank is still maybe a problem. Yep. Um, and that Jonathan's going to take care of it. Yep, he's going to deal with Hank. So Cooper is at the roadhouse. I'm going to assume it's about 930. He's making a pyramid out of nuts on the bar in front. Of, did, you, did you catch this, Tyler? I did not. <laughs> he's just got a perfectly symmetrical little triangle of just bar nuts. Laid out. 
and in a way that almost looks like I almost want to like super nerd out and look into it and see if it's Morse code because it's like short. It's like bead nut, long nut, long nut bead nut. Huh. I don't know if there's anything to that. I don't know. I'll look into it. It's probably Morse code for the owls are not what they seem. If it is, I'm going to freak out. Oh, I hope it is. I'm going to freak out. Listeners, please out. let me know. If you know Morse code, you can reach us at TalkingBackwardsPod on Instagram, TalkingBackwardsPod at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail on anchor.fm, or tweet us at TalkingBackward with your Morse code findings. Cooper is shortly joined by Harry, who says, hey, is your guy coming? He's like, he's here. He's here. Cooper takes a second to put it together, but when he does, he's like, buddy. Like, you had to know it was going to be him. Yeah, it's just like, not you. You're not going to ask a bookhouse boy to send your best man. That person, yeah. any, it doesn't matter who you asked, that person's going to think they're the best bookhouse boy. Yeah, yeah. if you have a secret collective you are the best one in the group yeah it, everything was your idea sure i've got beef i've got beef right. here. okay uh, harry asks if they're in any particular hurry and the answer is yes but cooper says harry let me buy you a beer i think this is where one of the writers struggled <laughs> It's like, well, currently Audrey is bound and gagged Two and her fate is unclear. wrote this one scene. It might be time to go look into it. I don't know. Because I'm looking at the clock and this episode is almost over. So maybe, maybe do get a beer. Yeah, I mean, that, that may just be a, a convenient way to have them get all the info dump that we've already heard, with, but able to do it off camera. But I feel like they could have done it with him, him putting his hand on his shoulder and just like, Yes, we are. Come with me. And walk, you know, talk as you walk, West Wing style. Because, yeah, like, like I was saying, Audrey's bound and gagged. Her fate is unclear. Let's get to stepping. It just tells you that Coop really isn't that interested in Audrey. And I don't think it's that. I think, I think it's disconnected writing here. I think, we, I, think it, I think it's just mostly that the episode's almost over. And apparently there were... 13 different writers on this episode. We have Hank at the Double R Diner. Living at the Double R Diner? Definitely. No he, way he's living with Norma. He's in his jammy jams for sure. Yeah. This is where we find out that the Double R is not open 24-7. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yep. This changes everything. It does. How did Shelly get off so early? <laughs> she's, she's taking time away to, to be with her invalid husband. She, no, and like, the first episode. Yeah, she gets off at 6 a.m. Because <laughs> they open at like 2.30. Maybe they change the hours when they change to Bistro Double R. See, now you might be onto something. Yeah, I mean, you can't run something that fancy 24-7. You it's just true. can't justify the cost. Yeah. The overhead is ridiculous. Tablecloths, candles. Yeah, those tea candles are like... Everybody can keep up with that. Penny each. You've got linen service now. So what wakes Hank up from his slumber? Is it a, is it a knock or it's a, knock. a crash? It's a knock I think it's a mix of thunder crash and a knock on the door. A little thunderstorm puts me right to sleep. Me too. Comatose. So then Hank goes to the door, mm -hmm. ready to bust some skulls because yeah. he's sleeping. Yeah. We're closed or something like that. He's going to whoop some ass. Um. And then, then we have a... I think he just starts to walk away and the lights go out. It's it's confusing to me because clearly someone's banging on the door, but then this person is suddenly inside. So are there shenanigans at play here? What is shenanigans? <laughs> this guy we assume to be Jonathan. This cousin Jonathan. This again. cousin Jonathan uh, who starts beating Hank up. Yep. Straight fist brawling. Which is weird, because why is, would you beat up someone who's your blood brother? Well, Hank also, is ill-equipped to deal with him either way. He does that, like, partially stunning roundhouse, which I don't understand what the thought process there was. He also kicks, like, straight up. The thought process was, take your head off. Face yeah, kick! When you stick your legs straight up, you're definitely not going to hit the person in front of you. <laughs> 
I don't know if you've ever played Street Fighter 2, but there is a there is a move when you're right up on a guy and your leg goes straight up. And it's effective. And then he uh, hits him with a flashlight. Yeah, he could have been him with a flashlight. It's true. That was the weakest flashlight I've ever seen. No. In my life. After Hank gets taken down, cousin Jonathan comes over and Blood Brothers him. Is that okay? I watched this one like twice. Yeah, that, that was a close up of the thumbs. Yeah. So, but he grabbed the blood from his lip. Is that what it was? I think so. That's what I thought. The first, the first time I saw, it, I thought he like did the cutting thumbs mm-hmm. and. But the, well, like, I, he I didn't thought it was just. Anything. I thought it was just from the fighting that they just had blood, like regardless of where it was from. Okay, because I feel like he like reached out his face before he did that. That's and probably then, true. Yeah. I don't know. It, I don't think it matters. Um, but I don't understand the significance of that. Like, why would he do that? Well, also, he says, next time I'll take your head off. But I don't think Hank understands why there's a this time. Right. He just kind of gets attacked. <laughs> it's like, just so Hank can say, hey, I can beat you up and I can kill you. I'm going to do one now. <laughs> and the others for later. Perfect. That's, be it. That's the episode. Yeah, that's Ooh. Laura's secret diary. Laura's secret diary. Pat, what are your final thoughts? Uh, it's it's an interesting episode. There's not uh, there wasn't a lot of focus on the Laura murder. The episode <laughs> the episode's fine. It's certainly not one of my favorites. Um, it's not terrible yeah. either, in my opinion. It's just it's fine. I I feel the same way. I'm I'm right in the middle of the road. Um, excited that. Battis is dead. He sucked. Yeah, victory for um, you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, like not, not really. A lot was happening in terms of the greater theme of the show. It was a lot of character development. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I could see where the frustration was probably setting in on people too, where it was just, you know, there. They were trying to go in these other directions away from from the Laura Palmer murder mystery, and it may not have been necessarily in directions people were super interested in, at least not yet, anyway. Um, I don't want to say that this was the episode that started getting them to fast track to getting the murder solved. I think that was they were already on that fast track from the end of season one. And when I say they, I mean ABC. Not Lynch and Frost. Yeah, I don't think that the the episode being the way it is is necessarily the show's fault. I like as you're saying, Patrick, how this had so many different writers because there were so many issues with keeping somebody solid, you know, writing a single episode. It just kind of got scattered all over the place. Like right. they they had to make an episode, right? And you and have time. You have time constraints too in the production. It's like you have to get this done. Yeah, you have to get one out. Yeah. And I I think these guys just did the best they could to make this one happen and it's confusing. It's all over the place. It's, it would have definitely been a very different experience. I'm pretty sure if the one guy had done the whole thing and not been on heroin. Right. Like yeah. it, it probably would have been a, a way more concise watch. Yeah. But it, it is what it is. And at, after it happens, it kind of puts everybody's back against the wall. Like, okay, now we have to extrapolate on these plot points that we've come up with now. So it's it, it a lot kind of gets lost and yeah we've we are far removed from the murder of Laura Palmer like the episode is called Laura's Secret Diary and it's mentioned in a single scene at the beginning and it's just kind of avoided after that yeah that's a weird thing to title the episode around when it is something that's literally mentioned in in one or two scenes we are gonna we are gonna move on to uh, talk about our favorite lines from this episode this is a segment we like to call damn fine line of the night. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is, excuse me, a damn fight. Damn, this line is good. All right. Uh, We are going to start with Tyler on his favorite line from this episode. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Um, Mine is a Sternwood line, the exchange with Ian Leland. Um, something about it was real nice. Yeah. So I'm just gonna 
Let's hear it. Oh, yeah. Let you pop that off. Before we assume our respective roles in this enduring drama, just let me say that when these frail shadows we inhabit now have quit the stage, we'll meet and raise a glass again together in Valhalla. What did it was so? not anticipating <laughs> that ending <laughs> now i see why you wanted to go last <laughs> no wonder oh man that was wild every time i watched that episode <laughs> you would say valhalla i would just be like valhalla. <laughs> that's so good oh, oh my yes oh dave how you gonna top uh. that <laughs> Well, I'm not going to top it, but mine is <laughs> is actually also a Sternwood line. It is. So it's a Sternwood chatting it up with Coop, talking about Twin Peaks, and it also refers to the afterlife. Mr. Cooper, how do you find our little corner of this world? Heaven, sir. Well, this week, heaven includes arson, multiple homicides, and an attempt on the life of a federal agent. Heaven is a large and interesting place, sir. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, my line comes from the beginning of the episode from Leland Palmer when he's talking about, um, you know, killing Jacques and losing his daughter. I think uh, Ray Wise's performance in the scene is uh, very good. Uh, let's hear. Uh, let's hear the line I've picked here. Have you ever experienced absolute loss? I doubt if any one of us is a stranger to grief. No, more than grief. It's deep down inside. Every cell screams. You can hear nothing else. So good. He's, yeah. I mean, this Ooh. is the guy that goes from Mersey Dotes, you know, and then, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even from the Leland in last season, you know, to this, I mean, just shows that his and, range is so wide. And I, I think it, I think it's great. He's great. And it was the strongest part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very, very beginning. beginning. The very yeah. Beginning. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Which is such an upset. It kicks yeah. off so strong, and then just so many weird things happen after that. I think Stern yeah. was another high point. Yeah. And then it just... Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder that, if, that, if that had been placed said, later. It was a good way to book in the episode, because the middle of the part is just nothing. Maybe that was the idea. I don't know, book ending with the Leland stuff, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Well, we'll never know. Regardless of how we feel about these episodes, I think it's pretty easy to... Scale it down, put it into perspective on a on a scale of one to five foreheads. As we transition into <laughs> a new segment on the show we call Talking Foreheads. Talking Foreheads. I can't. I just can't. James! I give this episode out of uh, five James Hurley foreheads i give it a solid three out of five just three i too went with three foreheads just three kind of middle of the road dave no i mean i i feel the exact same way i'm gonna give it three foreheads just three it's, whoa our it's first very way. 
time. <laughs> no. 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 It started off super strong, and I had really high hopes, and it's just going to be a straight line across the top of the heads. Talking Foreheads. That was Talking Foreheads, the critically acclaimed segment from Talking Backwards. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This was fun. All right, yeah. Come follow us over on uh, Twitter at Talking Backward. Follow us on Instagram at Talking Backwards Pod. We'll be back again with you next week for The Orchid's Curse on Talking Backwards. I saw the name Lockwood today somewhere, and then I saw Lodwick today somewhere on this episode. And mm, I guess yeah. I'm just, I can't. I can't yeah. brain it. We're gonna we're gonna get um, all these bits where I sound like a gibbering idiot. No, no. <laughs> this is the show. Also, pretty sure gibbering <laughs> is not a word. <laughs> I'm still hot. Yeah, I'm still, still hot jammed. Right now. I'm still jammed up. My mouth's jammed. He's pulling that thread. He's poking that bear. He's stirring that pot. He's kicking those leaves. He he's spinning those tires. <laughs>